Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study, but by the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never as it is written in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, Jesus, although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be made rich. Jesus will forever have a human, although glorified, body. Your sacrificial giving of time, prayer, for the unchanging word will be rewarded. Thank you for upholding us. Paul was called of God to be an apostle. The Corinthians were called saints, having been sanctified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians for two reasons. One, he had written to him, needing answers to some questions, and secondly, he wrote to them because he heard there were divisions, schisms in the church. So this brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1-5, through 5, and here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. I sincerely hope and trust that the Lord will make this study in First and Second Corinthians, which we started in our last lesson, a source of real blessing to your own heart and mind. You know, it's a wonderful thing to know that the Spirit of God has come to lead us and to guide us into all truth. What a need there is for all of us, Mitchell included, to have our hearts occupied with the person of our Savior. You remember in the second chapter of this book where the Apostle Paul says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, that's his person, and him crucified, that's his work. The person and work of Christ should ever be the center of all our discussions. He said, what about all the rest of the Bible? It's all full of him. 
In John chapter 5, our Lord said, Had you believed Moses and the prophets, you would have believed me. For Moses wrote concerning me. And so on. And I'm just, trust, I'm just trusting the Lord by the Spirit of God to make the truth of Corinthians very, very precious and very real to your heart and to my heart. And I sincerely hope you'll read it over and over again until your mind becomes filled with the text. And then as we seek to expound it or to explain it, it'll come very easy to you because you already have the text in your mind. Now, in our last lesson, we were dealing with an introduction to the book. We gave you a, a word about how Paul went down to Corinth. You find that in Acts chapter 18, he left philosophical Athens. He went down to dissolute Corinth. He didn't set up a church in, in Athens, philosophical Athens, but he did. The Lord did through Paul down at Corinth. And it was a large, wealthy, strong church. But they got fighting among themselves. They began following men. And they were carnal. Indeed, four times in chapter 3, the first four verses, he says, you're not carnal. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're walking according to the flesh. Now, I'd like to start with the introduction on the first nine verses of the first chapter, where Paul acknowledges the grace of God that had already been bestowed upon these men and women. Remember, they came out of a, they lived in a city of immorality and corruption, idolatry. You name it, Corinth was there. In fact, to be called a Corinthian was a, was a vile word. It meant that you were corrupt. So Paul went down there, and you remember, he wanted to get out of it. He didn't want to stay there. And God said, I've got much people in this city. He stayed there 18 months. And then when he was away and we got on to Ephesus, he got word of what was happening in Corinth. So he wrote them from Ephesus. He stayed three years in Ephesus. And while he was there, he wrote them. He wanted to be with them to correct the different things that were evident in the assembly. And the exhortation is, is well worth our consideration today because I want to say very bluntly, in ev even in evangelical circles, you have the two things that are evident, legalism on one side, looseness on the other. Oh, God give us balanced Christians, balanced in truth and righteous in our walk. And this can only be accomplished as we walk with him, our precious Savior. Now let me read the first the first few verses, if I may, especially the first three verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here you have his salutation, his first three verses. You notice in the first verse that he was called by the will of God. Now, if you want to follow that through, I would suggest the book of Galatians, chapter 1, 15 on through. Uh, Paul there, he said he wasn't called by man. He was called 
by God. In fact, in congregations, that it pleased God who called me from my mother's womb to, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, and so on. So you remember that he was, a, he was called by the will of God. It was not something that Paul himself wanted so much. It was God deliberately calling him out to do a job. You find that, you remember, in the ninth chapter of Acts, when God met the apostle Paul, or shall I put it the other way around, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. When, when the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you persecute. He cried out, Lord, what will you have me to do? And God said to, to Ananias, this man is a chosen vessel unto me to preach the gospel to kings and to the Gentiles. The special teacher, leader, messenger to the Gentile world. And Sosthenes the brother, he mentions him, rather precious, by the way, because at Ephesus, Sosthenes, if it's the same man, opposed Paul and his message. He was the ruler of the synagogue. If it's the same man, same name, Sosthenes, unto the church of God, which did Corinth, to them that are sanctified. And notice to whom he wrote, to those who are sanctified, to all that call upon the name of the Lord. That takes you and me in. You know, no sectarian spirit here. Unto all that call upon the name of the Lord. It's the Lord's church. And their position, they were sanctified in Christ Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, this word sanctify, can I just take a word, a moment on this? The word sanctify means to be set apart. We were set apart by the Spirit of God. It's uh, set apart in Christ. How many has been set apart? All believers in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Yeah, the same thing in chapter 2 of Hebrews. He that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. See, sanctification in Hebrews entirely on the ground of the work of Christ at the cross. When you and I came as sinners and received a Savior, we were set apart for God. That's what you have here. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Who? All that call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, everyone who accepts the Savior is set apart for God. This is not something you feel. Now, there's such a thing as practical sanctification, which you find, for example, in Thessalonians chapter 4, where we have practical sanctification. He's talking about a position here to all that be in Christ, sanctified in Christ Jesus. And remember, Four times he calls these Corinthian people, Corinthian Christians, carnal. Yet he said now at the beginning, they're sanctified. Well, how Paul does it? Before he begins to correct their war, walk, you find where he gives them their position and he talks from that position. They belong to the Savior. They've been set apart by God for Christ. One of these days, every one of them are going to stand in the presence of God, conformed to the image 
of Jesus Christ. So remember that verse in Hebrews 10.10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Same in verse 14 of the same chapter. For by one offering hath he perfected forever those whom he has set apart, whereof the Spirit of God is a witness to us. Witness of what? Of our perfection in Christ. You see, when you and I stand before God, we do not stand on the ground of what we have done, but upon the ground of what he has already accomplished. And he finished the job. He did a perfect job. Remember that. In fact, the resurrection of Christ is the guarantee that God is perfectly satisfied with what Christ did for men and women. Are you satisfied, by the way? Would you be satisfied with what God is satisfied? God is satisfied with the work of his Son. Our Lord bare our sins in his own body and put them away. Met all the demands of a broken law. He vindicated the righteous character of God and made it possible for God to pick up hell-deserving sinners, make them his children. No wonder the songster writes, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Oh, friend, I wish you knew him. If I'm talking to any on this program, you're listening in and you're disgusted with life and you're full of sin and failure and you, you don't know what, you've got no interest at all in life anymore. May I tell you, the Lord Jesus died for you. As Romans 5, 8 says, God commended his love toward us in that while we were still active in our sins, Christ Jesus died for us. See, God's made provision. He set us apart for himself. And note how Paul, I'm repeating again, note how Paul begins this thing. They were not manifesting the life they had received from God. There was no separation in their lives from sin, as we shall, as we shall find as we go through the book. And yet, and yet he calls them saints. Again, I say he works from the, from the viewpoint of where they are in Christ and then what they should be doing for Christ. It's not the work of Christ in me that saves me. It's the work of Christ for me. At the cross, God did nothing in me. He did something for me. He fitted me for his presence through the cross. Now, the Spirit of God comes to indwell us, to reveal to the world through our lives, by our actions, by our words, something of the loveliness of Christ. Oh, that I could make that clear to your heart. Dear Christian friend, I don't, I don't know what your circumstances are, but I know God's put you where you are for a purpose. And the best thing for you and for me to do is right where we are to start and walk before God. Oh, you say, I wish I were living some other place, but you're not. You're living where you are. Start where you are. Start where you are to live for God, to live for the Savior who loved you and gave himself for you. So you notice this verse, verse 2. He writes unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. Wait a minute. Do you mean to say that, that every Christian is a saint? That's right. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, you remember Paul says, Beloved of God, 
I like that, don't you? Beloved of God. God loves to call us his beloved. Beloved of God called saints. Uh, we're not saints by character. We're saints by calling. When you come to the end of Romans, from chapters 12 through 16, he tells us to walk as become as saints. We may not be saintly, but we're saints by calling. Called saints. The word saint means holy one. Having been set apart by God in Christ, we're saints. Then he calls us, wants us to be saintly. I remember when I became a Christian and I began to witness to some of the men in the machine shops about the Savior. One man said to me, Mitchell, a saint couldn't live in this shop. And I didn't know very much about the truth, but I learned one thing from Romans chapter 1, verse 7. God called me a saint. I said, well, I know, I know some saints in this shop. And he said to me, show me just one. Well, I said, I am. And then, boy, did he lay hold of me. He sure went down the line with me. You were saint. You see, I, I was, shall I put it this way? We were casting our pearls before people. This is a truth for God's people. I'm not a saint by what I do. I'm a saint by calling. My name is Mitchell. I'm called Mitchell. That's my name. And when I was a kid where I lived, my mother said, you boys, remember, you belong to the Mitchell house. We expect you to act like the Mitchells, not like the Murphys or the Casey's or somebody else. Wonderful thing. God is the one who calls us saints. <clears throat> he said, well, he's talking to the Corinthian church. He's not talking to us. Wait a minute. The rest of the verse says, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and yours. In every place. In Portland? Yep. Los Angeles? Yes. San Francisco? Yes. Wherever you are. Oklahoma City? I don't care where you are. Wherever you are, if you've called upon the name of the Lord, he's talking to you. And he calls you a saint. calls you sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now in verses 49, he gives us the cause for thanks, his cause for thanksgiving. For example, in verses 47, he talks about the grace of God which was bestowed upon them. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift, <coughs> waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I've read that whole passage. It's an amazing passage. And from 4 to 7, he talks about the grace of God bestowed upon them. You see, he, he poured upon them his wonderful grace, but they failed to manifest grace to others. Did you hear what I said? 
You know, I've met Christians, and I'm going to be blunt about it. I've met Christians who glory in the grace of God, the marvel at the wonderful grace of God, but they don't manifest grace to those around them. Let us not shout about grace if we don't manifest it. Again, I appeal to you, Christians, listening to my voice today, if you love the Savior, may that love be evident by your obedience to the Word of God and by your loving the brethren. One of the greatest needs today in evangelical circles in the local church is for people to love each other. Genuine love, not a put-on thing. I mean, I'm talking about genuine love. And remember, as Paul wrote afterwards to Timothy, love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, that we might realize the tremendous place we have in Christ and the responsibility we have one to another. So he says, I, I, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you, not which you worked for, which was given you by Jesus Christ. Now mark that fifth verse, that in all things you are enriched by him, enriched in all utterance. You had all the gifts of the Spirit. You had all knowledge. The testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. And you are even waiting for the coming of the Savior. He's talking about facts. And he's, he's appealing to them on this ground. They were enriched by him. That is, the source of all their blessings came from Christ. In everything, in all utterance, that is, they were equipped to be testimonies for Christ. They had good preaching. They had good preaching. Paulus, Peter, Paul, Name them. I talk about the preachers they had. In everything, they were enriched in utterance, in all knowledge. They didn't have to go to the worldly Corinthians for anything. Christ was sufficient for them. How about you? How about me? You ever stop to think of it, my friend? You and I have been enriched in Christ for a purpose. We don't have to go to the world to be satisfied. Our Savior is all sufficient for every one of your needs. And one of the greatest needs today, even among Christians as well as among the unsaved, the need for that, that peace that passes all understanding. Don't you love that verse in John 14, 27, when Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Oh, the wonder that you and I, in the midst of a world of trouble and tribulation, disappointments, and name it, you name it, we can have a peace that passeth all understanding. You see, friend, I'm talking about a Savior who's sufficient for his people, whatever their need may be. Someone said, Mr. Mitchell, I've, I've had more problems, I've had more trouble, since I dedicated my life to the Lord than I ever had when I was a, a sinner. That could be so. That could be so. But remember, it's in the hard places you get to know God. Let me remind you of that. Where did disciples know Christ? 
when he was performing miracles? No, they were astonished at that. But they learned who he was and what he was in the storm. You never read of the multitude being in a storm. Oh, no. It was the disciples in a storm. He deliberately allowed them to go into a storm. In fact, I'm of the persuasion he arranged that storm. And you remember he came to them and he stilled the storm, stopped the wind blowing. And they said, what manner of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Ah, I tell you. May I just say, friend, in closing today, you and I have a wonderful, wonderful Savior. And we are enriched in Him in all knowledge. All that I need is found in the Savior. I'm not opposed to knowledge, remember. I'm not opposed to knowledge, but I'm talking about eternal verities. And you only find them in Christ Jesus. May your heart be set upon Him today. And if I'm talking to any unsaved soul, I just pray that you will accept the Savior and pass from death to life. Now the Lord wonderfully, richly bless you today for his name's sake. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.